Amen. Thank you, guys and ladies. Um, how beautiful, amen? Uh, as it points to our beautiful Savior and what He's done for us. We'll just take a few minutes tonight before we come uh, to the, our Lord's table to think about what Christ has done for us. Um, you know, we were singing the song just two songs ago, something that would have been, um, would have sounded so weird to the folks 2,000 years ago. Oh, that wonderful cross. Think about that. I mean, you know, that would be like singing today, oh, that wonderful electric chair. Um, I think, yes, we look at the cross, and, and rightfully so, we should sing things that we have. But we look at it, and we see it in a different perspective today because of what that means for us. Amen? Whereas uh, 2,000 years ago, uh, the cross was nothing but a means of death. Death, yes, that Jesus willingly laid himself up there for us. I want us to ponder a verse. If you have your Bibles, uh, I want to invite you to turn. If you don't, that's okay. Uh, a few verses here. The first one that we're going to talk about is one that I don't imagine you'll need to turn to. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. Why don't you say it with me? All right, go ahead and turn there if you will, because we're going to look at a couple verses right before that. Okay, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a great verse, amen? And you know, I know that uh, most of you probably have that memorized, and, um, or at least are very familiar with it. At the very least, you've seen it at a football game, right? Um, but what is the context of that verse? The context of that verse actually is the same passage in which Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Uh, that Pharisee who had come to him and, and trying to figure out who Jesus was. Remember, Jesus said, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That, fra- that phrase, born again, kind of threw Nicodemus for a loop. Nicodemus said, Jesus, what are you talking about? You mean I've got to go back into my mother's womb and be born again? Now we've got all children in here tonight. For those of you with little kids, I don't know that we want to do that. Amen. But uh, Jesus said, no, Nicodemus, that's not what I'm talking about. You don't have to go back into your mother's womb to be born again. But just as you were born physically, you also must be born spiritually to enter into the kingdom of God. But in order for us to be born again, friends, something had to happen to take care of our sin. So Jesus continues on in the passage there to talk and explain to Nicodemus uh, what he's talking about and the importance of what Jesus was going to do. All right. So look at verse 14. Verse 14, Jesus says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 14 is a verse that Jesus slips in there. And, you know, we often talk about how the gospel um, is, is, is the message of the entire Bible. Okay, it's a story of redemption. And uh, we see that. Jesus here tells us, just as the serpent, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What's he talking about there? Well, I don't know if you remember that story from Numbers chapter 21. But in Numbers chapter 21, 
uh, we see the Israelites doing kind of what the Israelites did. Remember when God brought them out of Egypt? He took them right to the edge of the promised land. It really wasn't that long. And told them, go take the land, right? Let me ask them, did they do it? Why not? They were scared. They were afraid. In fact, they sent out 12 spies. Two of them came back. Joshua and Caleb said, yes, we can take the land. Ten of them came back and said, what? No, the people were too big. They're giants in the land. We can't take it. And they refused to take the land that God said he had given them, that he would allow them to take. And so for 40 years, their punishment was that they would go and wander in the wilderness. So let me ask you a question. Whose fault was it that they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? It was theirs, wasn't it? Um, let's never forget that many of the things we go through in this life are our own fault. Amen? And we blame God for them. Nevertheless, uh, as they were wandering in the wilderness, God provided for them, didn't he? Um, said their shoes did not wear out. I don't know about you, but I could, uh, I could use some of that. Amen? And um, God also provided uh, manna for them to eat. Uh, what a great provision, you know? They didn't have to go out and do anything other than that God just let bread fall from heaven. And however, it wasn't enough for them, was it? They got mad, angry, complained. God, in fact, they began to, to blame God and, and, and wish they were back in Egypt. God, why'd you bring us out of, out of Egypt to wander around? In, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whose fault is it that you're wandering around in this desert land? Yet they complained against God and they grumbled against him and Moses and in Numbers chapter 21, God kind of got fed up with it. I don't know if you remember the story, but as they complained against God, saying, God, why have you done this? God, we're tired of this loathsome bread. Judgment came upon them for that, and God uh, sent fiery serpents among them to bite them, and many of them died. Friends, I think just, you know, I don't want to focus on this part of it tonight, but the reality is, um, even God's judgment is merciful upon us. Lest we go blame God for the things, that, the consequences that happen in our lives, it is that God allows consequences in our lives many times that turns our hearts towards Him. Because what happens right after that, in, in, in Scripture, I don't know how long transpired Scripture, is just kind of the next verse. It says, after um, many of them began to die, they went to Moses and they they repented and they asked, they said, I'm sorry, we're wrong. Please go to God and ask him to take these serpents away from us. But guess what? God didn't take the consequences away from them. I think that's interesting. Maybe let you apply that on your own. Okay. But here's what God told Moses to do. God told Moses to make a fiery serpent, a serpent out of bronze. Okay. And he told him to put it on the end of a pole. He told him to raise it up kind of in the middle of camp. And whenever someone was bitten, if they would look upon the serpent, they would be healed and they would live. And you say, why in the world would God do that? Why would, I would imagine the last thing they wanted to look at was a serpent on a stick when what had been biting them and killing serpents, right? It was a reminder of their sin. You see, when, when they had to look at the serpent, it was a reminder of their sin had caused the plague that was among them and to remember to, that they were turning from that. If all they had to do was believe that the provision God made for that. You know what? How many of them might have said, that's silly? 
It's ridiculous. What, I, 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 do you want us to look at a serpent on a pole and, and that's going to heal us? And God said, yes, that's what the provision I've made for you. Friends, bring it back to John chapter 3 here. Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You see, Jesus was lifted up on the cross. And in order for us to be saved, we must look upon him on the cross. Now, listen, the good news is, as Mark said at the beginning, it doesn't end there. Amen? So we have the huge blessing to look at the cross in light of the resurrection. But if it wasn't for the cross and Jesus' shed body and blood on the cross for us, our sin would not be atoned for. And so, just as the Israelites, when they suffered the consequences of their sin, they had to look upon that serpent and they were healed. They lived. So we, when we realize our sin and we look upon the cross and we basically, we see Jesus, that he is the sacrifice for our sins. He is God's provision for healing. And God is, listen, it's so many people today, listen, so many people in the church think that it is, I've got to do something to make up for what, how I've disobeyed God. Friends, we can never do anything to pay God back, to make up for the sin we've done against, for the disobedience, the rebellion against him. Jesus paid it all. What he did on the cross is sufficient for everything. Listen, if we try to add something to that, then what we're saying is that what Christ did on the cross is not enough. So when when we look on the cross tonight, here in a few moments, when we think about what Christ did on the cross, friends, that sacrifice that he gave there, you know why it's so hard sometimes? I don't know if you remember... Wow, I don't even remember how many years ago it's been now since the Passion of the Christ came out. And the big brouhaha about that was is how graphic it was. It was graphic because the cross was graphic. It was gruesome because the cross was gruesome. It was, it was awful, friends, because the cross was awful. What Jesus went through for us was awful. It was torture. It was a means of death the cross symbolized. But because he was willing to stay there for us, it became the wonderful cross. It became uh, that, that, that symbol that symbolizes uh, our sin being cleansed, being paid for, being atoned. Fully and completely. And so that when we look upon Jesus Christ, just as the serpent in the wilderness, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so also must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? Amen. So tonight, we come to our Lord's table to remember what he has done for us. I want to invite you that if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether you're a member here at Southside or not, if you know him as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to participate in this with us. If you don't, I hope you'll use this time to think about what he's done for you. Maybe tonight is 
the time when you will say, yes, Lord, I believe in you. Today, you will, as the, as the, 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 the Israelites had to make a choice that they were going to believe that what God said was true and that his provision was what he said it was, God's offer is that his son is payment for your sins if you will believe and trust in that and that alone as what saves you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I want us to just take a few moments now, just to bow our heads, if you will, just to give you an opportunity to do business with God. You know, we get so caught up in the, the busyness of life that um, I want you to, as we go through this, these next few minutes, just to thank the Lord Jesus for what he's done for you. Listen, if there's anything in your life, any unconfessed sin, things that you know shouldn't be there, I want you to take this time just to confess those to him. Get those things out of your life. Maybe, maybe right now you need, to, you need to say, Jesus, I believe and trust in you. You alone for my salvation. What a better time. What a, it's a great opportunity here for you to do that. Or ask our men to come here in just a moment. Let's take just a few moments to do business with God. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you again for what you've done for us. Lord, we come tonight recognizing, Lord, acknowledging, Lord, that we are sinners in need of your grace. So, Lord, again, we just ask you, Lord, forgive us for where we fail you. Lord, we trust in your precious body and blood that you've shed on the cross for us. Thank you. Lord, we know you didn't. Lord, it wasn't that others held you on the cross, Lord. But you held yourself there. Because that's what was necessary. You could have called 10,000 angels. You could have stepped down. But you willingly gave yourself as penalty for our sin. Lord, we thank you for that. Jesus, in your precious name we pray. Amen.